This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Daly. Our guest this week is Glenn Smith, Chairman and CEO of the Farm Credit Administration. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by Bayer, helping meet the challenges of sustainability to help shape possibilities and our vision of health for all, hunger for none. AgriPulse Open Mic continues with FCA's Glenn Smith, next. As a leader in the industry, we at Bayer have the opportunity and responsibility to help address the challenges around sustainability and ensure that we can all thrive while using our planet's resources in a sustainable way. Sustainability is an integral part of our operations, and we believe that farmers and agriculture can be part of the solution to many of the planet's biggest challenges. Whether that's helping growers utilize new technologies to get more out of their land, or incentivizing carbon-smart practices such as strip or no-till and planting cover crops, we're committed to innovate, grow, and partner with farmers to help shape what's possible and further our vision of health for all, hunger for none. For more on Bayer's sustainability efforts, visit Bayer.com forward slash en forward slash sustainability. This is AgriPulse Open Mic. There is no secret that farming is a cyclical business, but the domestic and global headwinds facing the industry today, as well as higher interest rates, are ushering challenges some farmers have never experienced before. Glenn Smith, Chairman and CEO of the Farm Credit Administration, believes farmers are facing hyperinflation. We've got a whole generation of farmers and ranchers that have never seen interest rates above 5%. Um, my 32-year-old son back in Iowa included. So, you know, as input costs have risen, equipment costs have risen, land costs have risen, so has the level of borrowing, but at this point has not been impacted due to these historic low interest rates. But as we move ahead, borrowings increase and interest rate increase, we're, we're starting to develop a, an area of concern that we really need, want to watch closely. Has agriculture benefited from this period of low rates and the direction now that rates are moving stronger? Is this a threat to an industry that's facing an inflationary pressure on the inputs needed to produce crops and livestock? It's very much a threat, Jeff. I mean, you, you nailed it. it, it it's, it's a huge, imminent threat. Uh, agriculture is a very credit-intensive enterprise, particularly with younger operators just starting out um, that have to rely on credit for, you know, a good part of their, their entire uh, farm input costs and replacement, equipment replacement costs. So uh, so that threat, uh, as those interest rates rise, going from kind of a minor input item, meaning interest rates, and, and evolving into a major input item, as well as, um, as well as increased borrowing due to increased input costs. And incidentally, um, I just barely, my wife and I were beginning farmers in 1982 and barely survived the 80s. Uh, we realized the importance of off-farm income, in particular hers, in order to survive. But I can tell you, it's not very much fun when all of your income, net income for the year, 
goes back to pay interest rates. And when interest rates got as high as they were back in the in the 80s, almost all of your efforts went into pay, just paying the interest bill. Now, we're nowhere close to that, but at the same time, rates are increasing. And in an inflationary environment, interest rates will closely parallel the rates of inflation as we've experienced in the last year. It appears to me the timing is very difficult to see rates start to move up, especially as inflation has affected the price of fertilizer and fuel uh, and other elements that are so critical to farmers producing uh, in their operations. Oh, it is. Um, I raised the alarm bells here at FCA as early, I think, as our last maybe July board meeting almost 10 months ago. And what what prompted it was my son had called me and says, hey, Dad, I'm just going to book all of our fertilizer for 2000, 2022. Um, they, they tell me that rates could increase almost double by this fall or next spring. And I said, well, whatever you do, you're, you're the manager. And he went ahead and booked them. And they did double, more than doubled in that time frame. And, you know, fortunately, we had a little insight and got got in uh, early, but that doesn't mean the inputs for next co- next year. So I raised the alarm bell here at SCA as, you know, you can talk about interim inflation or transitory inflation, but in agriculture, we're in full-fledged, blown-out inflationary times. When you see input costs double in six months, in my book, that's hyperinflation, Jeff. I would feel like a few years ago, we were in a position that a number of farms and ranches were getting close to a thin line. And then commodity prices took an upswing. And I believe in my heart of hearts that helped. But now yeah. we're in a situation that not only are commodity prices high, but those input costs are as well. So, with the swing that we have seen in gross receipts and now the apparent threat of interest rates moving higher, how is the farm balance sheet and is it the same across all enterprises or are some better than others? Well, I think uh, that that's, that's always the challenge in agriculture where you have uh, one operator that might be operating uh, debt-free, no no debt on his uh, land, no debt on his machinery, and oper- you know pays for operating accounts um, out of his checking account. And then right next to him, you may have a 30-year-old farmer that's just started out five, six years and, and in the growth phase, making land payments, making equipment payments, as well as uh, his line of credit for inputs. So there, there's a huge, huge variance. In the uh, in the financial capability uh, of of agriculture, and especially today, as we move into those higher price commodity price scenarios, or as we enjoy those higher commodity price scenarios, the danger there is farmers have always been uh, price takers. Um, but when it comes to input, um, you know they don't have a control over that. They don't have any control over the price they get. Right now, I would say the scenario is with the higher commodity prices, 
operations are still cash flowing, are still showing net income. The danger and the real threat is should those commodity prices take a plunge, take a hit, um, and input prices stay high, that puts us in a in a dangerous scenario. Are there similarities in the swing of the economy that we're seeing today to those of the early 80s? How are they alike and how are they different? You're aging me. Um, I turned 66 yesterday, but in 1974, I was a senior in high school. And I can remember a good part of our BOAG class in high school were heading directly into commercial agriculture. Boom times, uh, putting the, investing in new equipment, buying land. Um, we were starting to see increasing costs, but we had the, the expanded uh, grain trade to Russia. And, uh, boy, you know, mid-70s mid were, were happy days um, up until the embargo on uh, Russian wheat sales. Uh, commodity prices started to crash. At the same time, we saw uh, inflationary influences, uh, fuel in particular. Remember fueling up my car to go to college. And, man, I had to work a half a day to fill that, fill that fuel tank full. Much the same inflationary phases or influences we're seeing right now. So I'd say right now it is pretty equal to that mid to seventies time frame where commodity prices were high, but we were starting to see inflationary influences only to see commodity prices drop off and put us into that dangerous scenario that we just described. I'm not asking you to speculate, but I'm asking you to look at history. What does history say as interest rates move up in terms of the pressure that it puts on land values? And are we in an area that we can consider charted territory of we've been here before? Not yet, but historically as interest rates rise, they will pressure land values. And uh, part of that is the cost of financing. But, but another part of that is alternative investments. Uh, traditional investments like CDs, money market accounts, become a risk-free alternative investment um, versus today's, I don't know what a, what a couple-year CD would be today. I don't think it would quite be 1% yet. So, you know, land still offers a higher return, even at today's rates. So, um, interest rates definitely rising interest rates will have a dampening effect on land values eventually and that's as that demand driven that cash driven demand uh, dries up that's when you'll see the turning point one situation is that not only is land higher equipment costs are higher and a new equipment availability has also been an issue. Technology is yes. critical to the productivity and the sustainability of farms today. How is the appreciation in equipment cost affecting operations? Well, and you nailed it when you said uh, if you can get it, and that applies not only to new new equipment but but parts. You know, we're hearing all sorts of unpleasant stories where a planner breaks down in the middle of planning and they've got to wait, you know, a week or two for replacement part. The same thing is, is true for new equipment. There's a huge void there in 
good used equipment and new equipment with the uh, technology. And the thing is, you wear out and need to replace a, uh, a planner today, you can't go backwards in technology. Your, tra- your tractors are set up for it. Uh, you know, your, your manpower that runs them is set up for it. And it's very difficult to go backwards in technology, and that technology is very expensive if you can get it. So with regard to the young beginning and small farmer rule, how do you see that pros and cons? Well, it's putting an emphasis on system institutions, on farm credit system institutions to see those programs grow. And in many cases, outreach to, to try to encourage a higher level of entrance into farming. I think it's imperative that we cultivate the interest in new generations of, of agriculturalists. And, and that does mean taking on a higher level of risk. That does mean a higher level of outreach on the part of uh, loan officers. But, you know, for the farm credit system, the largest provider of financing, we are a GSE. We're a government-sponsored enterprise, and we have a mission to serve agriculture, and part of this being YBS. So uh, th- that's why today was a good day, Jeff. We, uh, we passed the pro- uh, proposed YBS rule. Uh, it's been four years in the making, and it really moves us up uh, to, to a new level of uh, expectations from our farm credit institutions in advancing their YBS programs. Are you concerned that the farm bill that Congress will write might provide an inadequate safety net for the economics that we are seeing today in the industry? Oh, in an inflationary environment, uh, certainly. Whereas, uh, you know, price protection might have been adequate in the input environment a year and a half, two years ago, may not be adequate today. And and the other thing is, you know, crop insurance offers a layer, but it's based on current prices, which can change. So certainly, um, that absolutely is, is a concern. How important is the rural development side of the Farm Bill, and especially as this Congress looks to write new policy? Oh, it's, it's huge. Uh, rural de- development is, is is huge for the vitality of the farm economy, and as I, you know, as we talked about earlier on innovation to keep an operation growing and afloat, very reliant on that off jar- off farm job in 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 uh, businesses, ag businesses, and schools and hospitals. In fact, we do have a program on one of our larger farm credit associations where it's called mission related investment where we've invested in rural health care facilities and we're interested in expanding that and a lot of times that's in conjunction with USDA but those facilities can be anywhere from medical medical care clinics to hospitals uh, to mental health centers um, to senior care facilities and and from farm credits perspective that's that's certainly something we would like to see expanded along with uh, USDA and their rural development initiatives. So with a focus on rural America, uh, recently you took a part of the 2022 Midwestern Farm Tour. You saw a lot of areas uh, of uh, the Midwest. I'm interested, 
what were you looking for and what are you are your concerns or the the concern of farm credit as you focus on rural issues in addition to agriculture Jeff, we we had three goals to accomplish uh, in that farm tour, and we had roughly we had a significant number of personnel that we brought out from uh, from the D.C. area, um, other metropolitan areas of the country, uh, people that did not have a background in agriculture. And uh, since I've been on the board, since I've been chairman, it's been important to me the employees to know about agriculture, know the important mission they serve. So by getting um, actually on farms firsthand, seeing farms firsthand, talking with farmers firsthand, we we hope to achieve you know a higher level of appreciation for their work. Uh, so that was my number one objective. Uh, number two objective was to travel through the state of Minnesota where the local association there has had a great deal of, su- of success investing in rural health care facilities, um, facilities like hospitals, um, uh, medical centers, uh, senior care facilities, mental health facilities. That infrastructure of rural America is so important to the vitality of the local farming operations that rely heavily on off-farm income and overall rural prosperity. And as we know, we're, we tend to lose numbers, although since the pandemic, in some cases, we've seen a resurgence in, um, in rural residences with people that have access to broadband, to the Internet, that can work from home. One of them enjoys the, the, the amenities of the country um, while still maintaining that high-paying job. And the third objective was to showcase young beginning and small farmers what their challenges are and how important the recent rulemaking, which we passed the previous week um, at our board meeting, how important that proposed rule is to advancing a young and beginning farmer. So a full, it's been a great tour. Um, The the employees, I guess, have got a renewed a renewed sense of satisfaction of what we're working on and what we're trying to, to, to achieve out in rural America. So taking this tour, does it refine your mission statement or does it edify your mission? I, I think it edifies our mission in support of rural America. And I mean, it can take many different forms from loans to ethanol, uh, ethanol plants, loans to the local retail cooperative, uh, loans to the um, to the operating farmers in the area, whether they be beginning or established, uh, and even loans to rural residences. So there's a full spectrum of financing and uh, opportunities that we offer to rural America, and it, and then it, the tour did showcase that. Well, you've had a, a wonderful career serving this Farm Credit Administration, serving farmers and ranchers across the country in rural America. I'd just like to provide the opportunity and allow you to look over your shoulder, talk about the priorities that you've had, the accomplishments that you've seen, and maybe cast a thought on the direction uh, that the FCA needs to continue for the strength of the country. 
Well, good. That's that, that's a that's a good ending point. Uh, I know when I first come to the board several years ago, there was a question on system maintaining a certain level of capital and maybe relaxing that capital because capital may not be the most efficient use of uh, of, uh, of, of of funds and capital required required is is uh, a regulatory statutory um, requirement um, for our financial institutions um, my philosophy has always been be prepared uh, for that downturn, be prepared for that back swan, that black swan event, and uh, I think we we convinced everybody that that was the attitude that a regulatory agency needed to have uh, for safety and soundness of the system. If the system was not to be on solid ground, uh, all of, all of American agriculture would would be to suffer. And and I give you an example. You know when the pandemic first hit, you know, truly uh, uh, the, the black swan event had landed. And we didn't know what the future laid, but we had very good capital, reserve capital levels. We had very good liquidity levels throughout the system. And our funding mechanism really never missed a notch. Um, our spread on farm credit securities, which is how we finance our loans, uh, has been at historic narrow margins to U.S. Treasuries. U.S. Treasuries considered the safest investment in the world. And we're very close to that. As a regulatory agency at FCA, I'm proud of that because we, we maintain the reputation. Our examiners have, have, have done an outstanding job of ensuring safety and soundness. We just need to be on solid ground with the farm credit system to be there in case times do turn bad. Uh, we need to be there. Our mission is to be there in good times and bad. That's what Congress initially charged us with in 1916. And, Jeff, that really hasn't changed in all these years. Chairman Smith, we want to thank you very, very much for taking time to spend with us here on this edition of Open Mic. It is Open Mic, and today we just offer you the last word. Well, the last word is, you know, agriculture is going through some interesting times right now with escalating costs, but also pretty outstanding gross incomes. Um, the only thing I can say is be prepared for things change. There's never anything constant in this business. I don't care if you're talking about the weather, markets, input costs. Things are always changing and always have a plan for that change. Our thanks to Glenn Smith, Chairman and CEO of the Farm Credit Administration, our guest this week on Open Mic. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by Bayer, helping meet the challenges of sustainability to help shape possibilities and our vision of health for all, hunger for none. For AgriPulse, I'm Jeff Daly.